Blog Talk Radio. Urban Glory Radio. Simply Glory. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made. We rejoice and are glad. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that makes me confident to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit as educator and guide to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and everything that shall be revealed, you be glorified. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. One of the things that I delight in knowing is that we have a God that communicates to us, and then as a result of him communicating to us, our very lives are transformed by this experience. The experience of hearing God for ourselves becomes a, a, a catalyst of change for us. And it is the more and more we, we expose ourselves to these encounters with God that we become enlightened and informed on higher qualities to living out our God-given potentials because he desires to communicate with us. He desires to be a part of our lives. But there has to be some things that trigger uh, that connection, you know, because God is not someone that we see. But there has to be a witness of heart. There has to be some type of awareness that we're coming into the very presence of God, that we understand who he is. And the Bible says that his sheep knoweth his voice, and the voice of another they will not follow. In order, the strongest, the strongest voice of God is the written word of God, because the word of God introduce, introduces us to who God really is. And so, therefore, we study not to show others, but to show ourselves approved to God that we may prove what is that acceptable and perfect will of God. That, that means God has locked in our searches, uh, uh, things that he wants us to know so that we can be, uh, be effective and efficient to living a quality life. God loved the world. He loved the world that he gave his son, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have an everlasting life. And so I have been fascinated with that word belief. By the prompting of the Holy Spirit, one of the discoveries, and not only discovering prophecy, our giftings, and discovering what's next, I wanted to establish a basis for us to dialogue about what we believe and why we believe what we, we believe. Fascinating enough, and by a curiosity and speculation, uh, one of the things that I just so happened to just glance upon in social world was the uh, episode of Divorce Court where a couple was having dispute, and because of various forms of rage and anger, their marriage was challenged. Conflicts was created to try to alter their connection. And in one of the challenges was when the wife made a decision to disavow her 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 dedication to believing in Jesus. And so, one of the things that would anger her was when the spouse's family would gather with the children, they would try to infiltrate and influence the children to pray and to have respect. And that would anger her because she knew that the pattern of connection and the, the power of connection to the family would distort and and pervert her pursuit to try to stop them from establishing a relationship with God. The way you the way you would totally isolate a child from a God environment uh, would would, to, would be stopping him from hearing. So make prayer of no effect. Have no Bible verses, no dialogue and concepts about religion or beliefs. 
and then develop a system of education that avoids such such trainings and teachings, and then you have a godless child and a child that is open to speculations and to theories that they cannot process properly because they have no absolute truth, no abstract, and no supernatural authority. All of their processes of thinking is then conditioned by whatever comes to another source. And so there's some things that I want to talk about that are very primary to us being Christians, and that is belief. One of the famous stories in the scriptures that you can launch this, this teaching off would be the story of Nicodemus and his confusion with the various concepts of the kingdom being born again and, 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 learn, and his desire to understand um, what faith was all about. There were, there were points and principles and, and concepts being thrown out, but he was not comprehending the, 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 the message and the, uh, the, the, the meat behind the matter, for lack of better words. He was not grasping the relevance of, of the things that are spiritual are spiritual, and the things that are secular are secular. And often the things that are used as illustrations are just to point you to a greater picture. And that can only be received when you embrace the, the, the rites of passage of salvation through believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I just wanted to kind of introduce discovering dynamic beliefs. You're going to be faced in life, at some point in life, on examining what you really believe. And one of the things I find fascinating, having been someone who have been established as a Christian from a child, is how many times I've been through the, the, the process of evaluating whether I believe the very core of, and, and the, the very fundamental things about my faith. And, and this becomes precious to me. And the more and more I go through the introspection and the evaluation to see that I believe the things that I believe, the more precious the process is for me. And, and, and I, I want to challenge and ask you, is the process of developing your belief today precious? Or are you holding on to things that could potentially be robbing you of the life that God has intended for you to achieve? I'll never forget, there's one story that I've used, and I probably added to this story several times. I use it when I start a Bible study series at a local church, or I use it when I'm doing a discussion group often all the time, because a lot of times the way we develop our thinking has a lot to do with how we communicate and dialogue with one another. And when we talk about the fabrics of our, our faith, we really have to examine what we believe and why we believe what we believe and how we came to those beliefs or how we eradicated certain beliefs to derive at other beliefs. And so one of the things that I love to talk about is the theory or the story of the pot roast. Now, y'all probably heard me say this different times, but for the sake of this illustration, I want to use a great-grandmother, a grandmother, a mother, and a daughter. Y'all follow me? Now, the daughter comes to the mother and ask the mother, why do you cut your pot roast in half? There's a pot roast and it's cut in half. She wants to understand why you cut the pot roast in half before you serve it. So the mother says to the daughter, I don't know. Ask your grandmother. So the, uh, the granddaughter goes to the grandmother and says, Grandma, why? Mama says that she learned to cut her pot roast in half because you cut your pot roast in half. The grandmother says, well, I cut my pot roast in half because I saw my mother do it. So she goes, the grandmother, she says, go ask your great-grandmother. 
The granddaughter then goes to the great-grandmother and asks, Great-grandma, why do you cut your pot roast in half? To her surprise, the great-grandmother begins to laugh, and to laugh uncontrollably. Because the granddaughter begins to explain how she goes to her mother, and her mother didn't know. And she goes to her grandmother, and her grandmother didn't know. And the grandmother told her to go to you, to me. And the great-grandmother says, the only reason why I cut my pot roast in half was because the original pot that I had wasn't big enough to hold an entire pot roast. So here you have four generations creating a tradition of cutting a pot roast in half when they all had a pot uh, big enough for the pot roast, but because of the tradition, they just naturally cut the pot roast in half. And do you know how many systems of life exist based on the traditions of men? The Bible says even the traditions of men make the word of God of none effect. And so you have people that are cutting their pot roasts in half, calling it belief. They're doing things that they have no basis for doing and calling it faith, or they're calling it conviction, or they're calling it their characteristics, or they're calling it their newfound ideas. But where did you get that from? And why did you build a reality based on these, these things that you hold as dear, oh, bless his name, as beliefs? So that's where we get our discovery. And here we go to the Corinthian church. The first address of the Corinthian church is a rebuke. It is a rebuke to a people that have a form of godliness but deny the authenticity behind the, 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 the form, which means this. They were doing all kinds of things saying they were Christians. They were saying they believed God. They were saying they loved God. But they had formed traditions and customs and habits that nullify the very things that they claimed to believe. And so what Paul had to do was let them know that the way you're going about your, uh, your practice of faith and your practice of reality is obscure. You got, you have... You have incest going on. You have um, idolatry going on. You have all forms of wickedness going on. Where did you get the basis of these activities from? I was looking at another social media thing that I posted the other day. I just wanted to know. And it was a, it was a dance. It was a, a church that entitled this worship service Hip Hop Sunday. And then they, and they got there, and there was a gentleman, and there was two females that be, proceeded to dance down the aisle to a gospel secular song. And the gentleman had on very tight white pants, and he was dancing effeminately. And the females were dancing behind him like um, football um, majorettes, if you will, for lack of better words, praise the Lord. And they proceeded to dance down the aisle of, of the church. And, and, and I was just asking myself, well, where have we gone as a community of people to where we have not had these discussions about what is appropriate and what's inappropriate, what is what is right and what is wrong, what's the way and what's not the way. These, these are simple dialogues that we should constantly be having to review and to reflect and to renew our appreciations about what we claim we believe. And how often and how freely do we have these conversations? Oh, I know that these are not popular subjects to have, but we are coming into a day where we got to know what we believe. And so I want to give you tonight just the first three Beatitudes of belief. But I want to review our foundational text to provoke you to going about approaching how you approach God to another level this year. Paul starts off in verse 2 of chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. that says, For I am determined to know anything among you save Jesus Christ, and him crucified. Now, one of the things I was saying last year when I was studying the Word of God, one of the things that just kind of 
provoked me to maintain a, a strong faith in the things of God was to focus on Jesus. And, and it seemed like every time I would go to study the word personally, it just was just a reflection on what would he think about this? What would he do in this matter? Even if I was reflecting on the Old Testament passage or New Testament passage of, in that day, I found myself often reminded, how does this tie into the Savior of the world, the, 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 the one that is the author and the finisher of our faith? How does this, how does this passion conclude with Jesus? And so Paul's, Paul's address begins with him resolving to bring Jesus back to the forefront and the focus to the Corinthian church. He said, look, I don't know nothing but Jesus. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and as much trembling because of what I saw. And my speech and my preaching was not in, with enticing words of man's wisdom, but demonstration of the spirit and the power that your faith. Now listen, Paul's demonstration of ministry was all predicated on them attaining what? Faith. Now, ministers of the gospel, I want to give you a nugget here. Until, you, until your platform conforms to the nature of Christ completely and concludes with living by faith and not by sight, then your platforms are not necessarily syncing with the overall plans when you have other things and other agendas. You've got to make certain that your motives are pure in ministry. One of the things, and, I'm, and, I'm, and now I'm having 30 years under my belt, I'm, I'm realizing motive is everything to God. Why are you doing what you're doing? That's, that's as simple as it is. Why are you doing what you're doing? Because motive is everything to God. And when your motive is not right, everything else falls to havoc. And so his whole, his whole effort around his platform was so that their faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, there comes a point in your life where God's power has to be your greatest resolve. If, if the display of God's power is not the conclusion to the efforts of your exercising of faith, something's wrong. There comes a point in your life where faith must be achieved and attained by God's power. God operating and activating His, His, His presence, His personality, and His performance on your behalf. That's God's power. So the platform is, is based on the power of God. And it provokes us to speak a wisdom that are not, that are uh, of them that are what perfect or mature, not the wisdom of the world, because no, nor are the princes of the world that come to nothing. But we speak a wisdom of God, even in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory or to our benefit. Now listen, if the princes of this world knew this, they would never crucify Jesus. For it says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things which God had prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed it unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of the spirit except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of, of God knoweth no man but of the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given us of God. So listen, the things that belong to God, that God gives to us, is released as a result of our reception of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that empowers us. It is, the Holy Spirit is the intelligence of God. It is the inspiration of our faith, but it also informs us of how to live. It informs us with the truth that we should know so that we can then be inspired to ascribe to righteousness and live by faith and not by sight. So here, and this qualifies this, that the Holy Spirit gives us, gives, has been given to us so that we can know the things freely given us of God. 
which things we speak not in the words of man's wisdom teaches, but as the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things to spiritual things. But the natural man, what? It receives him not the things of God, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So the natural man cannot discern the spiritual things of God. Spiritual things must be compared to spiritual things, and spiritual things must be initiated by the Holy Spirit. God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so this is what awakens our discovery of dynamic beliefs. Our dynamic belief says that our beliefs should attain faith. Let's go to Romans 10, 17. All right. Romans 10, 17. And I'm kind of hurrying up a little bit for the sake of this. is just a foundational teaching. Discovering dynamic beliefs. Our beliefs are empowered and awakened by our stepping out on faith. Our stepping out on faith. And it is our faith that then that then develops this blueprint of how we should discover who God is and why we exist for knowing who we are, what we have, and what we can do. All right. Now, and and and, and as those and once we get the answers of those questions of who we are, what we have, and what we can do, that we then then go about uh, adding to the, those questions qualities and characteristics that empower what we believe. Okay. Now, in Romans ten seventeen, it gives you the process of how how this all works. And of course, you know, I would find that one scripture that I want to reference real quick, and using all my technology devices. <laughs> Anyway, Romans uh, 10.17 says, So then faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, now here's the thing. The key is hearing God. Hearing God's word. The word is not necessarily limited to, to the Bible, but it's limited to God. So, but I want to go back up to verse 9 or verse, um, talking about the wisdom that's not of this world. Verse 6, but the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend unto heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring him again from the dead. But what says it? The word is nigh thee, is even in thy what? Mouth, and in thy what? Heart, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou what? Confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and what? Believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now here's the principle, verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Hold that in your memory as we begin to discover the dynamics of belief. Belief must begin, I'm, I'm going to give you all the answer in a second, but I want you to hold verse 10 as that, and then we also understand that this, all of this belief, then it goes to 17, equates to our faith. Faith coming by what? Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the Word of God, or hearing God's voice, is what sparks our belief. Our beliefs are empowered and awakened by stepping out on what? Faith. It is God that both causes us to will and do his good pleasure. God provokes us by in giving us encounters or experiencing things with him. So here we begin our lesson. In the, in the, in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses the Corinthian church for not being spiritual and that the, spirit, the, the lack of spirituality is a result of them not being uh, acquainted with, with the Holy Spirit. And that it is the Holy Spirit that will release them to the truth that they need to know. That will cause the discernment and revelation or what God intends for you to know to awaken. Do y'all get what my, my point is? The word of God or hearing God's voice provokes you to go to God, to allow God's spirit to have proper place in your life. So that you then can in turn what you know his voice can then become acquainted with what you need to know in life. And this process is it's actually, that's why generally when you want to develop a child's belief, you acquaint them with communicating with who? With God. 
A lot of times beliefs are awakened in prayer. But I'm going ahead of myself. I'm not I want to give you a blueprint, line upon line, systematic, how you become an excellent um an excellent believer. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because see a lot of times you allow the enemy just to throw a bunch of religious rhetoric at you, but until you know until you know what you believe, you're going to be always manipulated. Somewhere you're going to insert a process of man into the purity, the purity of your belief system. So I told y'all about the, the, the young lady that got mad when her in-laws um, had her children pray over their food. If you want them to be godless, avoid them developing a relationship with communicating to God. If I want to disable belief, I have to disable the confidence in, uh, in my ability to obtain and to hear knowledge from God. And that's what's going on in the body of Christ, even when it comes to things that we should already believe. So, three points, very simple. The B attitudes of belief. Number one, be diligent. Be a diligent student of the word. Now listen to the word. Of course, you can define diligence on your own, but you need to stick to studying God's word. That's basically what I'm saying. I'm not trying to get too deep with you. you got to stick to stay studying. Study to show yourself. Look at ways to know God's word for yourself. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. So the word is the strongest evidence that we have of the existence of God. And the more value we place on knowing the word of God. The Bible says in Joshua 1.8, meditate on the word, what? Day and night. Give yourself wholly to the word. Psalms 1 tells you, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sinneth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in what? The law or the word of God, the order of God, the communicated will of God. And in that law does he meditate on night, on day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. So we see in Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, the process of the blessed life is based on the word of God. Be diligent students of the word. A scripture in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4, and it's just a simple proverb or a, a, a statement of wisdom. Let us know something. It's quite simple. And I'll get it for you just for the sake of, of you knowing it. It says, verse 4, it says, verse 4, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, always perceiving, never coming into the knowledge of the truth. But, what does it say? The soul of the diligent, the soul of the diligent shall be made fat or abundant. And in James chapter, James chapter 1, since this is a Bible study, let's go to the Bible. In verse 12, it says, in verse 12, it says, Wherefore, lift up your hands, which are hanged down. Oh, no, no, I'm in Hebrews, Lord Jesus. Over one verse, sorry. I'm going old school, y'all. I told y'all my technology is in transition right now. But it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he has been, or when he is tried, based on his dedication and his diligence, when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. The scripture also goes on to say, I, I wanted to take you to another scripture that the Holy Spirit gave me. I gave you James chapter 1 verse 12, Luke chapter 1 verse 45, about belief. Luke chapter 1. Amen. Luke chapter 1 verse 45. So number one is be diligent to the word. And, and, and listen to the power of belief. When belief is truly engaged, things happen. Amen. And what happens? That's what we get ready to talk about. Now, this is one of the things, of course, you know, the story of Mary is what they're speaking about when Mary visit, visited Elizabeth and the promise of the Christ child was, was, was to be attained.
Um, God, God begins to perform wonders, and she confirmed the word with her cousin, and there was a supernatural rejoicing in the room. And here's the word in verse 45 that was given to Mary. And blessed is she that believes, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her of the Lord. Now, what did I tell you belief is a result of? It's empowered as an awakening of faith in the heart of a person. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the God, word of God. Our beliefs then are predicated on what we know God says. It should be. And so the, the way you, you can uh, deter somebody from properly believing is to eradicate a God conscience. To eradicate God's voice. To make God's voice null and void. To make God's word of none effect. Inserting tradition over the word. Inserting man's opinion over the word. Inserting assumptions over the word. We have to become diligent over the word. And allow the word of God to have proper place. If ye abide in me and my word abides in you, then you can ask and it will be given you. In other words, those things which you discover in God's, in, 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 with a God conscious will become alive to you and faith will be made available. So it is the soul of the diligent that achieves abundance. And it is when you go through trials and tribulations but hold on to the things which God has told you based on his word that you'll receive the promises which God has given you oh bless his name because the word has a proper place in your life. So you got to be diligent about the word. Number two, not only must you be diligent about the word, you got to be fully persuaded in your own mind. I told you about the parable of the pot roast. The, the young girl had enough sense to, to show, show that what they were doing didn't make sense. Your mind is everything to God. And you have to no longer conform to the what? The ways of the world will be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might prove. You studied to show yourself a workman that needed not to be ashamed, one that rightly devised the word of truth, so that you can have the advantage of knowing God's voice. You studied to show yourself. You studied to show yourself. So you have to be fully persuaded in your own mind. And what I'm asking you to do is two things. Consider the sound and consider the source. Consider the sound and consider the source. Where did, why did this get your attention? Why did this get your attention? Was it for the sake of you becoming reasonable, righteous, or rational? How did this get your attention? And then second, why are you developing reliability? Have you given responsibility to the right person? Are you relying on the right source? Is the source truth or is it shaky? Is it something that can change? Is it absolute or is it speculative? Do you hear what I'm saying? Where did you get it from? Where did the sound come from? And even in experiences, you have to re always evaluate sound and source. And, of course, you can always evaluate your sight, too. Did you see it? But when you can't locate what is, what is naturally perceived with senses through sight, touching, taste, and handling, then you can consider the sound and the source. And that's what you want to make certain, that when you build your belief system, that everything, and you're doing this throughout life, and you should be evaluating yourself. Let's see, wait, wait a minute, where did I get this from? And a lot of times when there has been exposure, when you've been exposed to certain things, you have to also take in consideration whether the emotional process overrides the actual situation. Which means you got to consider your source, you got to consider your sight, and you got to consider your sound. Y'all get my point? It's very simple. Are they reliable? Is it from a basis of truth? Because, see, when you talk about the source and the sound, we're talking about information, inspiration, and interpretation. Did y'all get me? Y'all know I like to rhyme, but they all, they all make sense. Where are you getting this from? Blessed is she that believeth, because she'll receive that which was promised her of the Lord. You have to be fully persuaded in your own mind. You have to be a, diligently, a diligent student of the word. 
And then thirdly, you got to be all about that heart life. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Your heart life is your thought life. Thinking in the heart. The heart is a metaphor that is used to determine your thought life. What are you thinking about as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But then the scripture tells you in Proverbs 4, 6, to guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the what? The issues of life. And so I leave you with five things. Number one, you have to gener generate a desire for God's word by yourself. Nobody can do that. When you want to develop your belief, you understand you got to be a diligent student of the word. You got to be fully persuaded in your own mind. You got to be all about that heart life. Guard your heart. For with the mouth confession is made, the confession is made, but with the heart man believeth. So when we talk about discovering our belief, we're really discovering where our, where our heart is set to hear God. And has that been distorted? Or has it been placed in a pure spot where God can speak to us clearly and show us what's right and what's wrong? What to do, what not to do. What to love, what to hate. See, if I love what he loves, hate what he hates, does what he does, say what he says, know what's right and know what's wrong, my belief is, uh, is secure. But when that place is polluted or manipulated or placed in the, in, 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 in the reliance of self or the reliance of others based on information and interpretations and inspirations that don't have a sound source or, or, or a sound place, then, then the reality of those things affecting my life may be for my empowerment or for my detriment. And only I know, or only I can discover whether it's worth it. Amen? Amen. And amen. I told you it was a simple lesson tonight. The Beatitudes of Belief will continue this next Thursday. But I wanted you to understand something. That we are discovering what it means to believe. What it means to trust God. I'm going to go a lot more in depth in the next lesson. But I just wanted to start with that same word of belief. And then next week we're going to empower this concept even more. God bless you. Thank you for listening. I'm going to be on every Thursday. It's one of us as far as the ministry team is concerned. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus... In your heart, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and the mouth made confession is made unto salvation. It's a process. And belief is also a process. And we know that you got to be diligent. you got to seek those things. And then after you're diligent, you got to be fully persuaded in your own mind. Have confidence.